Welcome back to the Geek-Centric Podcast, and welcome back to our Watch Club for The Mandalorian Season 3. Did you think your dad was the only Mandalorian? Welcome back to Watch Club. My name is Nate, and this is our Watch Club for The Mandalorian Season 3, Episode 2, Chapter 18, titled The Minds of Mandalore, directed by Rachel Morrison. If you're joining us for the first time, this is Watch Club, our weekly review series, kind of like a book club, but way better. Keep in mind, we will be going into full spoilers for this series and Star Wars in general. So if you haven't watched this week's episode yet, be sure to do so, and then come right back in less than 12 parsecs. Uh, Now, before a one-eyed alien creature pilots a mech-like droid body to trap us and suck out all our fluids, let me introduce you to my fellow Mandalorians joining us for this episode. First up, she's the heiress herself, the magnificent, meticulous, and majestic Megan the Magistrate. I mean, hi, Magistrate Clara. Thank you very much for correcting yourself. Also, I would like to point out that that thing is probably the grossest thing I've ever seen on Star Wars, <laughs> and there's a lot of gross stuff I've seen. There's some gross stuff, and that, yeah, he he definitely went up there. Uh, he and didn't like it. <laughs> Listen, uh, he, he someone who I don't think is nearly as gross, uh, he's, also, <laughs> he's also a high magistrate, but a, a different kind of high. Uh, he's the daring and delightful, dynamically insightful, droid-loving, Darcy the Dank Saber Hudson. I, can't, I didn't really listen after you said nearly as gross. I mean, you do think <laughs> no, I no, am wait. somewhat gross? <laughs> like, that's... Am I, should I be insulted? Listen, listen. In Star Wars, that's actually a, a huge compliment. Like, if we were sitting around a bunch of huts right now, they'd be like, wow, that guy's hot. Um, but, <laughs> oh, okay, that's... That, okay, I, still I, even, I feel more digging, insulted now. I'm digging it even further. <laughs> listen, I wanted to mention Dank Saber, Darcy. I think that's a new product that you would really be interested in. I feel like that's just like a name for a lighter that would work in any condition type thing. One of those jet yeah. lighters is a Oh, dank yeah, saber. and it comes so up. It's always... like a black flame. And you can always light your bowl whenever you need it or something like that. Dude. That seems that seems like it needs to happen. Can you imagine? Okay. Star Wars, like, what are you doing? Get Star on it. Star Wars, get on uh, it. Disney, come on. <laughs> Disney, seriously. <laughs> we know what you're all about. Uh, week two, <laughs> back to uh, Mando and Grogu's adventures. Uh, they wasted no time on this Mandalore adventure. Were you folks expecting to see this so quickly? Uh, not really. It was kind of like... I thought this was going to be the slow-burning arc was them working towards going to Mandalore. But getting it in season episode two means that bigger things are on the way. So I guess I'm pretty stoked that we got there so soon. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no kidding. It, it does like really climb the expectations even higher because we thought this was sort of going to be our only payoff. And mm-hmm. for this, for what happens in this episode to happen in episode two. It's crazy. I don't know. It's crazy. I think the majority of the trailers that we've seen so far, uh, you know, including like the 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 stuff that we, we've seen, uh, Darcy, you and I at that Star Wars celebration. Honestly, I think the majority of it is from episodes one and two. There might be a couple mm-hmm. of clips. I know we're going to get wow. Pershing uh, back again at some point. Uh, it looks like on Coruscant. But other than that, like. It's just so exciting, like you said, Megan, the fact that, like, okay, we've already gotten all that stuff from the trailers, so, like, what is going to happen uh, this season? And uh, I think it's going to be pretty exciting. Uh, Before we dive into this week's plot, I wanted to quickly shout out uh, Grogu, said his first words in this episode. He said, Pelly, or at least that's what Pelly Motto (laughs) thought, obviously, (laughs) He didn't. I love that idea, though, because it is like one of those things where it's like, oh, it, 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 the baby said my name. It's like, no, the baby never says your name, okay? Get over no. yourself. He just um, said, he said, <laughs> um, <laughs> but I want to know from you, uh, what do you want your, you know, Grogu's uh, first words to be? What do you think? I was thinking it's got to be something food related. I mean, oh, little yeah. guy likes to eat. I'm thinking he's going to be like hungry or or food, please, or something like. <laughs> Let's something hope he has we... some manners. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Hoping the please is thrown on the end there. Maybe some <laughs> eggs. Just like eggs. Just eggs yeah. is his first word. <laughs> eggs. Soup. Soup. Something. Yeah. It's got to be food related for sure. Something mm-hmm. food related. I was thinking he would just say the bokken. 
I would think he just says the Vulcan. <laughs> he learns from the Anzellans. Learn from the Anzellans. <laughs> Um, no, you know what? I honestly, I think everyone wants his first word to be uh, dad, I think would be the best. Or daddy. First word. Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I want it to be daddy necessarily. <laughs> um, but with Pedro Pascal involved, I mean, anything. It's it's very possible. <laughs> you might call him daddy. That is his name. Yes. <laughs> I just, it's always, I think it's weird to think of something being like, Grogu's like, what, 50, 60 years old, somewhere yeah. around there. <laughs> And he's calling someone who's like 35, 40 his dad. It just seems weird that it, he's younger than him. That's true. <laughs> that is technically mm-hmm. true. I also think it's going to be interesting to see if he's, does he take after Yoda or does he take after Yaddle in the speech department? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, is he going to talk like Bryce Dallas Howard and, and or, or is he going to talk like the, the, will it be this is the way or the way this is? The way like, this is. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. Ooh. That'd be pretty dope. That'd be pretty dope. I'd love the idea of like, Frank Oz doing a, a flashback episode as you know we get Yoda, Frank Oz's Yoda, and voicing, and, and then he's voicing him and teaching him how to speak. Like he's he's, he's the one, and and Mando's like, oh, this is the guy that's going to teach him how to talk. Like what? <laughs> um, I think it'd be fantastic. no one will get you. No, yeah, no. Uh, the way this is, uh, listen. Before we go spelunking to take uh, a bath in the living waters beneath the civic center in the city of Sindari, let's get to this week's episode. We open with fireworks on the planet Tatooine over the city of Mos Eisley as we witness a race happening on Boonta Eve. Uh, Erodian is arguing with Pelimato over the repair of his ship that has been stripped for parts. Pelly makes a deal with the Rodian, telling him she'll put a rush on it in exchange for more credits. After confirming he's left, a group of Jawas rush out, uh, and it's revealed that the whole thing was a scam uh, and that they were the ones who stripped the ship in the first place as part of a deal they made with Pelly. As Mando's N1 fighter booms in for a landing, she smiles with her missing tooth grin as she sees uh, as she asks, "Where's my guy?" And we see Grogu leaping like a lerman out of his ship and into her arms. Din informs her that he's looking for a replacement IG memory circuit. And she lets him know they haven't made those in a while. Uh, She asks the Jawas uh, and they say it can't be done. No chance cubes as in no dice. Uh, So instead she attempts to convince Mando to buy R5 off of her. Uh, and R5-D4 shakes nervously as he's almost falling apart. Uh, but after buying it off Pelly for half price and a free oil bath, R5 has joined the crew sitting comfortably in Grogu's old spot on the ship. Din, Grogu, and R5 fly out over the fireworks display as Din asks Grogu if he's ready for an adventure. So a couple of things here. Uh, Pelly motto is... <laughs> Wasted no time. We got her back. Uh, we couldn't stay away from her. What did you think of Pelly's Boonta Eve scams? Uh, and is it just me, or does it kind of feel like Mando gave up on bringing IG back a, a little quickly, one episode away? Well, I mean, to the second point, I don't think that's the end of his journey with trying to get IG back. Okay. It's the only droid he's ever actually trusted mm-hmm. so i i think that nothing can replace that um if it does uh i feel like there will be a part of ig like maybe it won't be the original guy but still using his parts i think the major adventure here is bringing ig back so he's still on the hunt for this piece and he's gonna find it and they will bring him back i think it'll just take a few more episodes uh, as for Pelly, I mean, classic Pelly. She's doing her thing, <sighs> robbing people blind. <laughs> so good. I love her. Yeah. I love her, 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 the way, like, I've honestly, with Pelly Motto, I have gone a full 360 with this character. I started off yeah. absolutely <laughs> despising this character, whether it was Amy Sedaris or not. And I love Amy Sedaris, but I was just like, I do not like this Pelly Motto character. And that, to be fair, I, I think she was introduced in one of the weakest episodes uh, of The Mandalorian yeah. in general. Mm. Um, so that didn't do her any favors. But, dude, like, ever since Boba Fett, like, the, the fact that she kept the missing tooth situation, which, by the way, is something that Amy Sedaris actually improvised for her character. Uh, it was her decision to have a missing tooth. Is so fantastic. <laughs> That's um, awesome. I love purring like a nuzzle shrew, leaping like a lerman. Lermans, by the way, call back to Clone Wars, uh, the species on Mygito. Uh, they're pretty Ooh. much lemurs. Like, they look exactly like lemurs, so okay. lermans. <laughs> um, and then Perfect. I also wanted to quickly call out the uh, 
the the pit droids carrying the same pole uh, from the trash compactor scene in A New Hope uh, that we did see in Book of Boba Fett before and, and of course, in A New Hope. But uh, that's not the only trash compactor reference that I'll be bringing up this episode. Uh, hint, hint, but we'll, we'll get to that a little <laughs> bit later. Darcy, what did you think? Do you think, do you think IG-11 is uh, going to make a comeback uh, in, this, uh, in this season? Yes, I, I totally think he's coming back, and I wouldn't be surprised if he gets that memory chip or the piece he needs from, say, IG-88, because another bounty hunter we know is out there and haven't seen He's still kicking around. A while. I think he is. Oh I'm pretty God. sure he is. Oh, wow. I mean, some other IG is going to be out there and on the hunt. I think it'd be cool for Amanda to run, past, uh, run across his path. That would be I mean, sick. Again, about Pelly. Totally love seeing her scamming people and everything like that. Although I feel like she's kind of scamming Mando here too, because I mean, R5 has a faulty motivator. I mean, we saw that back in a, like A New Hope. He was the one who almost went with the Skywalkers back to the farm. Mm-hmm. And then he shorted out and that's when R2 was chosen. Like, I don't know. This is a sketchy little robot. I wouldn't, I wouldn't trust him. But I, I mean, trust her. I don't like it. I mean, he's kind of the hero of the entirety of Star Wars, if you really think about it. If it wasn't for I him... Mean, Technically, if we're going by by some books, from a certain point of view, like the the like anthology collection of scenes between the scenes in yeah. the movies, especially that first trilogy, one of the stories was the fact that R five uh, is slightly force sensitive and knew that R two had this great mission and and forced <laughs> his his uh, chip to malfunction at the critical time. Wow, that's a that was one side story that I'm like that's oh a bit God. of a stretch. And there's a lot of stories in that book that are <laughs> massive stretches. So interesting. Yeah, that's somewhat. Like semi canon, I think, because mm-hmm. those books are considered like true to form. So, and I mean, I don't know. It's, I don't know. I don't trust this droid, is all I'm saying. Well, speaking <laughs> of the force, Grogu's got those mad hops, uh, jumping out of that oh, yeah. ship, mm-hmm. doing the front mm-hmm. flips, the back flips, the side flips, all the flips. Uh, his training with Luke really, really paid off, and it shows a lot in this episode uh, and in that moment. I think, you know what? It is great to see R5 here. Um, I, I'm wondering if this is almost a slight. Like, again, I do think you're right, Megan. I think the idea of him uh, seeking out that part for IG-11, if we're already sort of getting to some of the Mandalore stuff, I'm almost wondering if they're, mm-hmm. they're going to use the the middle area of this season as, you know, to kind of bring in some of those side episodes. But when the side yep. episodes are getting a part to bring back IG-11, I think that actually raises things up a little bit and sort of gives a, a, a little bit more of a, a specific plot uh, for Mando, instead of going from one planet to another for not as much reason, or at least it didn't seem like it uh, in, in previous seasons. Um, and I think it also shows maybe a positive sign of growth uh, for Din. And, and, you know, we were kind of talking last week on the Watch Club, and I was kind of saying I kind of felt like he was regressing a little bit to to back to the old ways of, the, of you know, the, mm-hmm. the children of the Watch. And so to kind of get him saying, well, I guess I'll trust this other droid. That being said, uh, R5 is probably the least threatening droid in the entirety of <laughs> yeah. the galaxy. So <laughs> it's not a hard you know, stretch to kind of get to that place where he would trust him. But um, all right, let's, let's keep going here. Uh, flying over Mandalore, a nervous Grogu gets a little history lesson from his dad on how the planet used to be green and beautiful back when the songs were written. He tells Grogu that he's never been there either and that he grew up on the moon Concordia. He tells Grogu uh, a Mandalorian has to understand maps and know their way around. Uh, that way you'll never be lost. After a rough entry, they land on Mandalore, and Din sends a reluctant, unmotivated R5, see what I did there, (laughs) Uh, out to scan the atmosphere. Uh, But then after R5 disappears from the radar, Grogu gets all upset, and he convinces Din to go out and recover him. Uh, He enters the ruins, and as he looks over a destroyed city, uh, he's suddenly attacked by a group of Alamites, uh, and he clumsily swings the dark saber around at them, uh, manages to defeat them with his vibro blade, and uh, recovers R5. Back at the ship, they test the toxicity and learn that the atmosphere is breathable. Bo-Katan was right. Mandalore is not cursed. Uh, so what did you think of our first look at Mandalore's now destroyed surface? And what did you think of Din's fight with the Alamites? It's hard to sum up because when they were showing like the main part of the city of Mandalore, or I guess, is it the city of Sundari? Sundari, thank Mm -hmm. you. Like the big um, capital, I guess, of Mandalore. Yeah. 
it makes me think of the uh, the end of Clone Wars where um, Ahsoka and Maul are dueling, and it's sort of the beginning of the downfall of Mandalore. Mm-hmm. I know it doesn't happen right then and there, but that's kind of the whole start to get us eventually to the purge and then the complete obliteration of this planet. So it was cool to see some of the architecture still sort of there and like thinking of the rafters from season seven of Clone Wars. It's really cool to see that. And like, I'd be really interested. I don't know, Darcy, if you could say if there's any novels or anything about the purge. Not really. That's one area they that they to... like to stay away from because I think that'd probably be a wicked movie or or something. I don't yeah. know. I feel well, like they're they're holding that in the back pocket to tell a story at some point because there's been nothing about that window of time. Yeah, I would love uh, a flashback. I think uh, would yeah. be really really cool, and even mm-hmm. even getting to potentially get to see maybe like a Duchess Satine. Uh, cast in live yes. action would be really, really cool. Um, and get, you know, sort of, I would love to almost see like a focus on Bo Katan as she's going through these major moments for Mandalore in general leading up to yeah. the purge. Because obviously, mm-hmm. the, you know, Satine died way before that. But I way think it would be, <laughs> I think it would be really, really intriguing to sort of uh, kind of almost get like a Bo Katan focused episode would be really, really cool. Almost like a, or, or a movie like a Rogue One sure. type movie, but it's I'd be it's down. Bo-Katan. Yeah, yeah, that would be super I'm in. cool. Take um, my money. <laughs> I I think it it you know I think it looks pretty pretty intense on that planet. Um, and the Empire just you know they didn't just destroy the planet; they erased the culture and their memories. I think Bo-Katan says mm-hmm. at one point, and we've seen that from the Empire time and time again, like in Bad Batch with Gunji. Right. The Wookiee tribes. Right. The the Empire hires these Trandoshan hunters and militia groups, not just to look for Jedi like they were doing way more than looking for Jedi. They were like scorching the planet Um, or in Andor. Right. We see them slowly killing off the traditions of the people on Aldani. Right. As they're sort of like just slowly like sort of just forcing them to to, you know, celebrate their traditions, um, you know, more and more. And then. Even uh, Cassian's home planet, right, being completely uninhabitable and, and poisoned. It just shows, I think, it, you know, I think Andor did such a great job of showing how truly evil the Empire is. And uh, and I think this series is doing that and also showing us Palpatine, you know, he doesn't just want to rule parts of the galaxy. He wants to rule everything. And the way you do that is to really kind of bring every single person and species into just one formulated line uh, that doesn't have their own sort of specific uh, features or cultures. So, yeah, man, absolutely nuts to see to see Mandalore like this. Mm -hmm. I mean, just I was just thinking there about maybe seeing some of those flashbacks. We have another Mandalorian making her live screen or live action debut coming up. So, again, it'd be really interesting to see her side of the story because she was also clearly still kicking and involved around that time at that time. So maybe she'd have more insight as to what happened to the purge as well, because again, that's something I want to know more about. And even just seeing this, like I want to know what could cause such like crystallization to this planet, like the green glass that's Mm -hmm. everywhere. It's like what weapons were used that have never been used before just to break, bring this planet of warriors to their knees. It's, it's ridiculous. I can't wait to see. And hopefully we do get to learn some more about that because that is the most interesting part of Mandalore, I think, is what brought it down. Yeah, you'd imagine Sabine yeah. Wren would also might... She, she might have heard something's going on over over, mm-hmm. over at that Mandalore place that I might want to look into. Um, so that would be... Yeah, Darcy, that would be actually be pretty... Like, if we get Natasha Leo Bordizo, uh, you know, and... Um, uh, Katie Sackoff would be would be pretty nuts. Um, on a lighter okay. note, uh, crazy to see R five D four and a Mandalorian and a Yoda like creature exploring Mandalore <laughs> of all places. Like it's one of those moments that remind you of how much fun D- uh, Dave and John are having with this series. Like it just lets them do the thing where you play with your toys. And it's like, yeah. you know, when you're like, you're in a rush and you're going over to your friend's house and your parents are like, we got to go now. Why are you not even dressed yet? And you're like, oh, no. Again, you got to you just reach into the box and you grab whatever toys you can. You stuff them in your backpack and you go over. That's what this felt like. Like, that's what it feels like to see these three 
weird people together. <laughs> like haphazard. It's so haphazard and it's so good. I love it. I love what we're seeing uh, with this episode. I love that the the, uh, the captions for R5 just say warbles nervously uh, is a really great one. That's almost as good as uh, gronky honks or gonky honks. Um, <laughs> uh, and then I got to say, yeah, seeing Mando fight the Alamites, which by the way, the Alamites, every time I say the Alamites, yeah. I think of the Alamo. I don't know <laughs> the Alamo. Not quite the same. Or like they're like a, a cult of, of of people as well, the Alamites. I don't know. Um, but uh, but he he really shouldn't be using that dark saber. Honestly, he's so clumsy with it. Um, he's just mm-hmm. he's he's not uh, he's not really good with that sword. Maybe his bath in the waters will help him, you know, clear his mind of all those those troubles that are weighing him down. Honestly. Manifesting through the saber, so. Get some of those green rock salts that are, (laughs) put him in the bath. And (laughs) Well, and speaking of that green rock, it was cool to see the Alamites um, using that as their weapons. Mm -hmm. Like, it's kind of cool to see that they've adapted and, and, you know, they're they're maybe, um, uh, they're kind of able to actually go into the mines and, and harvest uh, maybe not Beskar, but they're like, hey, this is almost as good as Beskar, and we got to defend ourselves from that one-eyed <laughs> monster in the caves. So who knows? Maybe that's <laughs> maybe that's how that thing was surviving. It was eating all the Alamites, but I don't know. Ew. Take me back to the Alamites. Um, <laughs> uh, okay, anything else before we move on? No? Yeah, we're good? Um, so after discovering the planet is breathable, Mando and Grogu head back into the mines down under the Civic Center. Uh, but as they venture further and further, uh, further, further and further in, uh, a creature with glowing eyes stalks them. Din eventually finds a Mandalorian helmet buried in the ground, but just as he picks it up, it's a trap! Uh, and he's captured by a giant <laughs> hermit crab-looking droid with a General Grievous-type droid body. Uh, and, uh, and, and after... Tossing Din's gun and dark saber to the ground, uh, he kind of keeps him in this like weird cage thing, uh, and he can't move. Uh, and he hooks up Din to some machine extracting his fluids. Grogu tries to uh, tries to use the Force to free his dad, but after making a loud noise, the creature is alerted, and Grogu starts running away. Din yells out to him to go get go to Bo Katan. Uh, it's all he says. And I'm just like, that's not enough instruction. Uh, so he, <laughs> he does some mad hops into his prom or prom or pram or whatever you want to call that thing. And he floats up. Pram. Pram. Okay. He floats up. His baby up ball. His baby ball. That's a better name <laughs> for it. Uh, <laughs> uh, he floats up in his baby ball. And after expertly taking out another Alamite with a force push, uh, he hops into the ship, but is then attacked by... Yet again, another alligator-like creature this season. I don't know why we love alligators all of a sudden, um, but uh, this time it has wings. Uh, but he manages to to uh, to get into the ship fast enough and take off. So let's pause here. What did you think of the uh, the one-eyed monster and Grogu's mad skills in the Force? I hated this thing. <laughs> I've never seen anything like it in Star Wars, and I never want to see anything ever again <laughs> like it in Star Wars. It was so gross. It was like really cool when it was that giant crab thing. Sure. And then when it came out of its machine and was this like weird, it was a robot, but it felt like also kind of a lizard. I don't know how old it is or how long it's been on Mandalore and what's happened to it since it's been there. I don't really want to know. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Grogu, I love Grogu. I could talk about Grogu 24-7. <laughs> Give us a He's Grogu amazing. episode already. That would be, uh, seriously. right? <laughs> I mean, it was so fun, though, to see him by himself yeah. and like figuring things out by himself. Yeah. That he hid and then he did his cool flips and then his little climb. I love when they use the animatronic that like moves on its own when he like walks and waddles. It's so cute. Um, but then also seeing his little ears flap in the wind when he's like speeding out of the tunnel. Yeah. I just love it. He's so cute. It's good stuff. <laughs> Yeah, uh, it's funny you mentioned Grievous when describing that thing because like I'm not I couldn't tell is it a cyborg because there were a lot of organic parts to it like why yeah. were you harvesting like n- organic fluids unless he was replacing his own with that stuff like, like was he sucking out was, Din's blood was it like a vampire I, that's what it looked like yeah uh, and he was gonna use the blood to replace his own because it's all radiated or something I don't know oh, okay. how long has he been on Mandalore it's yeah, a lot of questions were a raised with questions. that guy and 
I, I for one, want to know more. I, Meg, for one. I'm good. <laughs> I, for one. I see what you did there, Darcy. That's yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I, <laughs> we're just going to keep saying I know, um, gave me Dianoga vibes. Um, I thought maybe he could have been a variation of the Dianoga. The I was very Dianoga-ish. Uh, and, you know, Din was being squished in that thing. And we know the Dianoga loves, you know, being in a trash compactor and compacting things. He's all about the compacting. Um, so I'm wondering if maybe he was part Dianoga at some point. The I just really reminded me of, of uh, especially when you're on uh, Batu and you see they've got a, a couple of Dianoga there. Uh, I think the plural for Dianoga would be Dianoga. Um, I mean, it sounds right to me. <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, I want to go back to when he picks up the uh, the helmet in the ground. I was getting a little bit yeah. of Luke picking up Vader's helmet vibes uh, from that moment and, and how, you know, Mando's looking down and seeing this this Mandalorian. And I almost was wondering, for, for Din in that moment, is that motivation? Was it doubt? Right. In the sense of like, was it motivation to keep going to say, like, we need to, you know, this is a terrible thing that has happened. We need to kind of move forward as a as a group, uh, as a people. Or was it maybe giving him some doubt that was like, you know what, maybe all this stuff is just, uh, you know, hoopla. Maybe it is all made up sort of stuff. And maybe Bo-Katan is right and his beliefs aren't really worth going forward. So I kind of was like, really, I, I just I really enjoyed that that little moment. Uh, and then, of course, the frickin' one-eyed juice monster guy came out of nowhere. <laughs> just, yeah, grabbed him up. Um, I also put down, and you know, I love uh, Megan Offair. You were telling us some of the notes that you had written uh, for the previous episode, and I just wrote Grogu straight up yeeted that guy because uh, he <laughs> he absolutely did. Uh, and I love how met this giant menacing, you know, gorilla-like character is just completely taken out by this little baby and it's just it's fantastic it's yeah. so star wars so good <laughs> so good okay um it's, it sort of also brings you back to the first season when he lifts that big cow the mud horn oh the mud horn yeah thank you yeah and and you can compare that and see like how much stronger he's gotten oh yeah where he lifted that thing and then he was like passed out for a few days <laughs> Yeah, Whereas literally. This time he's like, "Get out of my way," and he's good to go. Maybe that'll be his first uh, sentence. Get out of my way! Get out of my way! <laughs> <laughs> so good. Okay, back on Calavala, uh, the family butler droid, as I'm calling him now, informs Bo-Katan <laughs> that they have an unscheduled, unscheduled, he says, yeah, uh, visitor. <laughs> Uh, she leaves her throne ready to tell Jin, Din Djarin what's what. She's like, I'm going to give him a piece of my mind. But as she approaches the starfighter, a little green critter pokes his little head up. Uh, and uh, and Bo downloads R5's logs to discover that they went to Mandalore. Uh, so she packs up R5 and Grogu into the gauntlet, which can we just quickly... The gauntlet is one of the coolest ships in this show or in Star, maybe I in Star Wars. I want that in Lego. Please. It's a, it's is it thing? out? It's a thing? Yeah. <gasps> I have it hanging in my, my Star Wars ship collection oh, right now. Darcy, yeah. Darcy. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, there goes. Yeah, the Mandalorian ships are sick. I've always loved the design of them. So, yeah. Yeah. Lego just takes all my money. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. So then they uh, she packs up R5 and Grogu into the into the gauntlet, and they head to Mandalore's surface. As she's traveling, uh, in, in uh, she sort of witnesses the destruction firsthand, and she has Grogu guide her down the mines as she tells him that the city was once a beautiful civilization and that her family once ruled over it but now it's a tomb as they venture further in they are attacked by even more alamites Bo dispatches them with ease like she's been doing it all her life uh, and once they arrive at the lair of the one-eyed monster Bo immediately attacks which by the way kudos for immediately attacking can we have more characters do that instead of walking into a room and going, <laughs> I'm here to take, like, it's so stupid. Just attack. And Bo does that. She immediately starts shooting him, which is fantastic. Um, she manages to get, uh, she uses her wrist grapple to reach the dark saber uh, and quickly apprehends the creature, stabbing it through the chest. Again, very uh, Grievous-like sort of fire coming out of his chest there. Um, and then, uh, and then it, you see it actually, like, it falls, but then it wakes up and it crawls off its own body and and then climbs into the crab mech. Uh, and again, Bo manages to just kill the crap out of it. Uh, and I'm sure Megan was very happy. Uh, she recovers. Mm -hmm. She recovers Din, <laughs> and the two enjoy a cup of pog 
soup. So what do we think of Bo's skills uh, shown off here? And what exactly do you think is pog soup? <laughs> I have no idea. Because it's just like dust that she's putting in a bowl. Yeah, but we've seen dust become bread in the Star Wars universe. Too, so <laughs> true. It could really be anything. <laughs> true, it could be anything. I like the idea that it's inspired by pogs, right? And then they just they have like you know like a slammer chaser. I don't know. I don't know. This is me coming from the nineties. Oh my gosh, Megan. <laughs> Am I that old? You mean like no? The I know what you meant. Yeah, yes. pog. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I don't know if it was a reference to pog. <laughs> I thought it was like a creature in Star Wars. Right. But I didn't. Maybe know she's about. just saying porg with an accent. Pog. No, you've, no, you've never had so pog soup before. I don't know why she just has a British accent all of a sudden. Um, just when talking when about pog soup. Just when talking about yeah. pog soup. Uh, but her skills, like, I mean, she's the rightful heir with the dark saber, right? Like that's she's meant to carry that thing. Come on, come on. I mean, she's yeah. she she's a warrior who has no qualms about what she's doing. Clearly, even with the fall of her people and being lost and losing all her allies, yeah. she still knows. What, where she stands. So that clearly shows mm-hmm. in her combat style. She is a true Mandalorian. Like so she said, she shoots first and then will ask questions after the fact. Yes. So, <laughs> I mean, that's just that's just awesome. And again, it, it really drives home the fact that she is the, a true Mandalorian, as much as Din, but in a different way. Like she may have given up the creed or whatever that, that all the, the, the watch holds so dear, but she still upholds the values that Mandalorians uh, care about, like being the badass in battle and, and undefeated and stuff like that. It was really cool. Yeah, she killed it. Yeah. I also really love that, uh, you know, she had the initial instinct when she saw that ship was like, let's get rid of him once and for all. Leave me alone. I don't want you here. But the moment that she knows another Mandalorian is in trouble, mm. she's there. She's ready I dig to that save a lot. him. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's like one of my favorite things about Bo is she doesn't have this like disdain for people from different groups of Mandalorians. She will protect and honor that they are Mandalorian and she will save them and that's so dope. But if you're a one-eyed blood-sucking monster, she'll fuck you up. Dead. Uh, gone. <laughs> Bye. I love how she uses her uh, her wrist grapple to to grab the saber kind of like a Jedi, you know, using the force to pull the saber mm-hmm. in. Yeah, she's so like good. two steps ahead of the battle oh, already. So, it's good. so cool. And I, and it's really light for her. And in, in Rebels, we learn that the wielder of the, the saber, uh, I think this stands for lightsabers in general, but they become more adept at using it when they've bonded with the kyber crystal uh, inside of it. So clearly, the dark, cyber, the dark saber likes her uh, way more than Din. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's just like, oh, I don't like Din at all. But, you know, Mommy Bo, like, let's go. (laughs) Again, that makes sense. If you look at uh, Terra Vizsla, the the only Mandalorian Jedi, it was his Darksaber and all that stuff. So, obviously, that Darksaber has an affinity to true Mandalorians, people born of the planet. And with Bo-Katan being part of the ruling class, she's probably the best wielder in terms of that regard so mm-hmm. you don't really understand why she was so f- used to it because she is such a seasoned warrior and is trained to use all these weapons that the dark sailor would be like oh yeah she knows what she's doing with me i can dig this type thing whereas din again is very lost right now trying to figure out where he stands in the greater galaxy with the watch learning about other mandalorians and everything like that it's it's really cool to see the the juxtaposition between the two because we both see them as mandalorians yet they wield this weapon of the mandalorians so differently mm. Mm-hmm. She also is so, it's almost like, you know, when I practice yoga, nothing else is there. When she's fighting, nothing else exists. Yeah. She's in that battle. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the reason the dark sable, the dark saber, there we go. <laughs> none of us can say it properly. <laughs> <laughs> the reason the dark saber doesn't work well for Din is because he has so much else going on mm. that he's thinking about and mm-hmm. he's worried about other things than what he's battling per se in the present the same happens in rebels with sabine it's so hard for her to learn how to use it because she's thinking about a million other things she mm-hmm. can't focus so bo's just yeah she's just dope she's badass. <laughs> but i do love the idea that maybe during combat she's 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 so focused but outside of mm-hmm. combat she is still very much and i think we're going to see a focus of this in this season torn between these these two worlds and sort of the idea of like ah oh, those oh, yeah. those things we said in Sunday school like that's a bunch of malarkey <laughs> we just did that for for fun um and and it didn't really mean much to her but then <laughs> you also see her you know she's she's uh she she gives din the dark saber back so like 
where your where are your uh, traditions at here? Like where you know, you one side you're like, no, that's silly, and on the other side you're like, well, I didn't win it in combat, so you it's still yours. And it's just one of those things where it's like, okay, well, you know, you can clearly see her mind is divided on on sort of her yeah. beliefs, and uh, it's really intriguing to sort of see that and and kind of how she's struggling with that throughout. It's really really good. Um, I also yeah. love when she asks Grogu if she thought his dad was the only Mandalorian because like. We all know that, yeah, he's Grogu's dad, and it's just great to see a character on this show actually recognizing that, it, you know, unlike, uh, you know, a high magistrate Grief Karga that's just like, what are you doing with that stupid little green thing over there, right? Like, it's like, <laughs> you know, I love how Bo is very clearly seeing, like, no, 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 these two have uh, a connection. She sees Grogu as a foundling, uh, and she sees him as Din's son it's just i don't know it's really 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 lovely really lovely um <laughs> all right is there anything else that you guys want to mention before we move on because this next part's gonna get pretty crazy uh so after some pog soup uh and a discussion on whether or not mandalore is truly cursed bo katan reluctantly agrees to lead din into the living waters uh on the way they recant how it wasn't that long ago that the purge happened the Empire set out to punish them, to wipe away their own memories. They discuss how the division between the Mandalorian people is what made them weak uh, and allowed the Empire to crush them. Bo continues to discount, the, uh, to discount the creed, claiming the rituals her and her royal family performed were just performances uh, for their subjects. Uh, Bo tells Din that her father died defending Mandalore, and uh, there's that a really interesting, very intriguing moment where he just says, this is the way. And you just sort of see her almost in that moment. I was like, is she kind of insulted by that? Or is that, is she, is she kind of like, Oh, well, I guess it is the way, or I don't know. It was really interesting. Uh, Bo reads some lore off the wall, giving Din the full tour, as she says. Um, <laughs> and I like the idea that there were like tour guides on Mandalore back in the day. Uh, as Din walks into, that would actually be Darcy. I think that would be your job. If you were in Mandalore back in the day, you'd be a you'd be a Mandalorian tour guide. Tour guide. Yeah, but like I know all the I know all the legends dude, and myths on the level and... of like the Disney tour guides. Like you would be going through, <laughs> and you know you'd have like a little special pin that you'd wear, and only the tour guides get to wear them, and it would be great. Uh, <laughs> sorry, as Din walks into the water, he recants the creed, uh, but uh, after only a few steps in, he's quickly pulled into the depths. Bo quickly dives in behind him. She dives deeper and deeper until she finds the light dimly emanating from his helmet. As she pulls him up, they pass by a massive eye opening and a loud roar of a giant horned creature. They make it to the surface as Bo breathes heavy in disbelief of what she just encountered. And that is the end of the episode. So let's discuss this. The Mythosaur is not only real, but there is one alive right now. What did you think of this moment, and what does this mean for Bo, Din, and the Mandalorian people? I mean, I think it was awesome. I think this is going to be the turning part, point for Bo. Like we, you were saying before, she didn't really believe in all those those legends and all the classes she had to go and do and all the, the ceremonies that they performed. And even reading that plaque, she said that the legend says. So it's not even history says it, it's it's no one believes it at that point mm -hmm. so to see a living breathing mythosaur as she's oh. down there after what was just going on with with din fully giving himself over the creed again is just like i think we're gonna see a completely different bow going forward because she will probably believe a whole lot more in the way of the mandalore going forward and i can't wait to see what that means for the still like just the people of mandalore as a whole to be told that the mythosaur is real and are they going to tame it? Like, what's going to happen? I can't Dude, wait to find out. So good. It's it's pretty unbelievable. I mean, it was one of those things where the moment you saw the outline of it, you knew exactly what it yes. was. And I think all of us had the exact same reaction that Bo did. <laughs> like, the moment it popped up, it was like, oh! <laughs> and then just silence the whole time. We got Purgles. We got Purgles. In the first episode, we get a mythosaur in like, this episode. Like, cool your role, okay, John Favreau, Dave Filoni, cool your role right now because this is getting a bit much. Um, you know, H Hondo Anaka is going to show up in episode three. I'm calling it. Um, but I, I, you know, it's huge. It's crazy that it can live underwater. Uh, I'm wondering if it can only live under 
the living waters. I'm wondering if there's something specific about that water that allows it to survive down there. Because, like, what is eating alamites? It's eating one-eyed, you know, uh, <laughs> blood-sucking monsters. Like, what is it eating that it's able to survive down there? You know what I mean? Well, I mean, whales eat the tiny one of the tiniest beings out there. So maybe there's okay. just little parasites or by uh, algae that it survives on. Maybe it's yeah. a giant herbivore or something. Oh like yeah, that. and there's a lot of grass. Yeah, down yeah like there. what do we what do we really know about the mythosaur? True. That yeah. it can't live underwater. All like, we know is its skull. That is the only thing we've ever it. seen of a mythosaur is its skull. So there is so much potential there to be like, this is what it does and this is why it's so important. And I really can't wait to see how they manage to oh. tell a story with it. It's it's so cool. Yeah. No, it's yeah. it's absolutely fantastic. And you know, I'm I'm uh it's it's interesting too because they they hinted at this um, you know, all the way back in season one when Quill said, you know, the Mando uh, you know, the Mandalorian people would ride the Mythosaur. If we get, you know, when we thought, oh, when man. we saw Boba riding the, the Rancor, uh, the Rancor? Uh, we were like, yeah. holy crap, this is, it'll never get better than this. <laughs> Dude, if we get a freaking Game of Thrones level Mythosaur riding moment, I will just be through the moon. Um, I'm wondering if the Night of a Thousand Tears is what woke uh, the, the Mythosaur or sort of maybe brought it out of hiding. Um, but I love the duality between the beginning of this episode and the way that this, uh, sorry, the beginning of the first episode and the way that this episode ends, right? With both the Mandalorian Creed being interrupted by a giant beast. And in a way, I think this is really, um, it's a wonderful beat of messaging to the audience to say that the, the way that we keep talking about is going to change. It has to. And, and not only, you know, not only that, but the armorer mentioned that this exact thing was going to happen. She says, songs of eons past foretold the mythosaur rising up to herald a new age of Mandalore. And this is the new age of Mandalore. And I am so freaking stoked. You feeling it? So Are you cool. feeling it, Mr. Krabs? So Are you feeling it? Um, <laughs> honestly, and I think just like you said, Darcy, this is the motivation Bo needs to rule again. I really do think so. A lot of people keep saying that Din is going to be the new leader. I don't think it should be Din. Um, nah. People are saying maybe Grogu. Uh, maybe, but I, nah. I honestly think Bo is is going to, I think what a, an amazing arc for that character to kind of go from where we started with her in this season all the way to, again, leading these people uh, would be so fantastic. I mean, there's still room for like a right hand man as as the ruler of Mandalore, and having Mandal like the Mandalorian who discovered the Mythosaur, basically, or was the reason for the discovery of the Mythosaur as a right hand man. Oh, it could be such a cool Mandalorian! I can't wait! I can't wait! <laughs> oh, let's go! Let's go! I also want. I also. Yeah. I was just gonna um, point out that moment that you talked about when he says, "This is the way to her father dying yeah. to save Mandalore, or defending Mandalore." I should say. Um, I don't know if her reaction was like an offended reaction. I think it was it was him. It's almost like, you know, when um, when a, a king or queen dies and they say king, whoever, may he rest in peace. It's like his way of honoring mm. his the the king's death or Bo's dad's death. Right. By saying this is the mm -hmm. way is that's the true meaning of that sentence, mm -hmm. which, again, brings a whole other level to the creed and to what these Mandalor Mandalorians stand for. It's, it's a deep culture, I think. And I don't think we've even scratched the surface with the Mandalorians. Scratched the, the green glass surface of Mandalore. <laughs> um, I, I also want to shout out the little plaque that Bo reads. Again, we talk about so many times how this section of Star Wars, this Mandoverse of Star Wars feels so video game-esque. So you'd imagine we'd walk up to it and press X to read some in-game lore <laughs> that this cave is giving to us. And honestly, if this was a video game, I guarantee this would be the section that we'd all get lost in. We need to look up a guide because oh, yeah. we keep going down the wrong cavern <laughs> or something like that. I'm having oh, yeah. with Hogwarts Legacy right now. I'm stuck in some cave and I can't get out. I don't Stop know what's going on. Uh, yeah. Sorry, Megan has not <laughs> played it yet. But um, but I also think, too, like in, in this in this Mandalorian game, the map would probably be terrible. Like, I'm looking at you, Jedi Fallen Order, okay? Get your map together for Survivor, please. Um, <laughs> lastly, though, before we get to our rating and sort of wrap up this episode, I do have a mythofact for you. A mythofact. Uh, I don't know how many mythofacts I'm going to have this season, but we'll call it a mythofact right now. <laughs> um, 
shout out to Star Wars Explained on YouTube for bringing this to my attention. But the first known reference in Star Wars to the Mythosaur was, in fact, not the holiday special. Uh, and instead, it was the... I don't even know if it is in the holiday. I think it might be in the holiday. Well, with, I guess with B- uh, Boba's armor would be maybe mm-hmm. the, the, in the in the holiday special. But the real first time that the Mythosaur was ever seen in Star Wars. It was just a skeleton. It was a collection of bones. But it was in Star Wars Marvel comic number 69 uh, where we get to see a Mythosaur skeleton. And the issue was called Death in the City of Bone. So Bone 69, okay? These Marvel writers, they had to know what they were doing giving this to issue 69, going to the Bone Town. Uh, and the the best part of I want a copy yes, of that. Honestly, look it up. The best part is that the city of Bone is actually a Mandalorian amusement park. <laughs> it's like what? Marvel went crazy with their comics. Okay, Marvel went absolutely in a, a whole yes, different direction. Um, yes, they did. But honestly, that's incredible. That maybe one day we'll get to see. We'll get to see an amusement park in Star Wars. Uh, I love the idea that, like, they almost do the opposite. Maybe it's in the of living Batu. waters. Maybe it's in, yeah, underneath the living waters is the amusement park. You go for, like, it's a water park <laughs> sort of situation going on. Yeah. Um, that would be a lot of fun. There's, like, little mythosaur rides that you can jump on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, listen, let's get to our rating. I want to know your overall thoughts uh, for this episode, uh, which for this episode, we're going to be rating it on a scale of one to five mythosaurs megan why don't you kick us off well initially when i watched this episode for the first time it felt a little all over the place we talked about this in our um spoiler free review that this episode felt like it sort of went back and forth and back and forth and back and forth Mm -hmm. but after watching it like two or three times more (laughs) i get it and i'm much more comfortable with the back and forth. Right. Um, I love the flow that it took. The storyline made sense. I love that we got to go to Mandalore so early, which makes me excited for future episodes. Um, the main issue I had, I guess, was... Actually, I I have these notes from the first time I watched it, and I don't agree with any of my opinions oh, no. anymore. <laughs> so I just want to say that I loved this episode. It was great. I don't want to give it a perfect score because I know there's so much more coming. But I'm going to change my score that I wrote down from a 3.5 to a 4.5 Whoa. out of 5. Metasaurs. Wow. Full jump. Wow. Sheesh. You're, you're, that, it, it needs a couple watches. Your score jumped <laughs> higher than Grogu, I think, in this moment. I think your <laughs> your your score was fl- flipping and flopping around. Uh, Darcy, what did you think of uh, this week's episode? Yeah, I mean, I think I mentioned it in the spoiler free review too that I, I enjoyed this one more because it felt like a return to form of the the Mandalorian adventures that we've gotten in the last two seasons. So I love that fact. And then then you pile on the fact that we were going to Mandalore, we were getting the Mythosaur, we were getting some cool moments with Grogu using using the Force, Bo-Katan being badass. There were so many things that about this movie, this episode too like, and it felt again like a return to form for the Mandalorian storytelling. So I loved it. Uh, I'm I too am going to be giving this one a four point five out of five Mythosaurs because I agree that there's a lot of cool stuff to happen here but with what they've set up in these first two episodes there could be so much more to come and I I can't wait for it all right okay I I mean I think this episode had a clearer and and more straightforward path than last week's episode in terms of the overall narrative arc not necessarily the path that they go on I think there it Mm -hmm. did feel like there was a bit too much expositional dialogue uh, as they go back and forth through the minds walking and talking. I get it. Like, how else are they going to do that? Um, But it just gave me some unfortunate reminders of the weakest episode of Loki, um, which just was just a a whole (laughs) half hour of two characters walking in a straight line and talking, Um, which this wasn't. I I understand. But um, I I understand why they made the decision, because they wanted to show the experience uh, twice from two different points of view. Um, and Star Wars loves their points of view from my point of view. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I did think that Din, at least that first time around, uh, I didn't, he didn't really say too much going in. So I think they could have at least cut 
that down instead of him going in and coming back out and going in again. Maybe just cut that down to one go, uh, and it might have sort of uh, worked a little bit better. But, you know, the, the the creature design I thought was fantastic, even though you hate that one-eyed goopy monster. Um, I thought the, the, the different creatures that they got and the aliens, I mean, again, coming off Andor for being so wonderfully different Star Wars that it was – we we were really missing those aliens, uh, and so for for you know for Dave Filoni and, and John Favreau to come in and just give us a big scoop of of alien soup, uh, pog maybe that's pog soup uh, was really really there you go <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> um, I I think the the growth moments we got you know getting to sort of uh, see these characters and especially Grogu and, and how far he's come have raised things up for me. Um, the opening with Pelimato, and again, I can't believe I'm saying this, was so enjoyable. Uh, I'm, I'm loving, <laughs> I love her so much now. I absolutely adore her. Uh, and the ending is just, it's getting up there in terms of um, like holy ferric type <laughs> moments uh, in this show. Uh, I mean, it's, it's not as memorable as I think seeing Grogu for the first time. But but Mm-mm. dank if it doesn't, you know, get me so excited for where <laughs> oh this show <laughs> is going. Um, so. You know, I think I actually enjoyed the first week's episode a little bit better, uh, but I'm still going to give this episode a very solid four out of five mythosaurs. Uh, and it has a lot to do with that ending because holy moly, I'm so stoked. I'm so, <laughs> so excited for more mythosaur action. Um, all right. Well, listen, that is it for this week's Watch Club for The Mandalorian Season 3. We hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, make sure to subscribe to us wherever you like to listen to podcasts, if you haven't already. And if you want to write into the show with your thoughts or, or your predictions on the shows we cover in Watch Club, well, you don't have to fight a one-eyed, goose-sucking droid monster creature uh, just so you can take a bath. <laughs> Instead, Darcy, can you let the children of the Watch Club know where they can reach us by hollow message? Sure thing. They can reach us at wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. That's wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. Or if that's too much like being dragged to the bottom of the living waters by potentially a mythosaur. Again, we don't know how we got down there. <laughs> Do you know? Write in. Tell us what you think. Yeah, Dave. Uh, you, can get us on, you can reach us on Twitter uh, at geekcentricyt or on Instagram at wearegeekcentric. Keep in mind, we have a ton of other great episodes covering the latest in movies, TV shows, games, including our recent spoiler-free reviews for the Apple TV original series Hello Tomorrow. Uh, we got some... You know, I'm hoping we get to cover Ted Lasso regardless. I'm sure we'll talk about Ted Lasso season three uh, very soon as that show is coming up. I'm so stoked. Uh, And if you enjoyed this Watch Club and can't get enough Star Wars, listen, we got another Star Wars with this exact batch of people right here uh, with the (laughs) Bad Batch season two uh, Watch Club going on uh, right now uh, with episodes uh, usually releasing every Wednesday. Um, I think for the next two weeks, we'll still have them out on Wednesdays. And then our season finale uh, might be a little bit delayed uh, as we did not get that one in advance. But uh, yeah, oh, I'm so that show like I was listening back to our Watch Club that we, we put out this week, guys, and what a what a good show what a great episode the outpost episode oh, yeah. 12 oh my gosh so good um <laughs> uh all right uh we also have interviews out now with uh director and producer for this series rick famuyiwa as well as bo katan Kreese herself katie sackoff justin had the chance to sit down with both of them to discuss their voice in the larger mandalorian story uh, and there was a really lovely moment about star wars parenting so go give those episodes a watch uh listen uh you can watch the the interviews on youtube at youtube.com slash geekcentric and check out our tiktok at we are geek centric as well. We got some TikToks going on. I'm I'm still waiting to see who the first one of us is going to do a TikTok dance. Um, it'll probably end up being well, Megan. If you want to, like, we'll you know we'll figure it out. Um, <laughs> I was going to say it's probably going to end up being me, but um, <laughs> subscribe here. Click on all the things so you can see all the great stuff we got coming at you. Darcy, Megan, thank you so much for joining me for this Watch Club. And as we say, this, this is, is the, the way. way.